Does the story work? That's the question, isn't it? Welcome to the StoryGrid Showrunner podcast dedicated to answering this question by using the StoryGrid method developed by Sean Coyne. Every season, Randall, Melanie and I, Parle, will analyze a hit TV series to figure out what works, what doesn't work and why. So if you've been with us for the ride recently, over the past few weeks, we've been watching Killing Eve season three. And today we're done with the entire series, but we're going to be shining a light on Villanelle, the wonderful, beautiful, perplexing Villanelle. And we'll also be looking at the inciting incident and the crisis scene. In our show notes, we're going to link to a fool's cap for whole of season three in case that's useful. And we'll also be uh, linking the six core questions for you as well. In two weeks time, we'll be introducing you to our new series to so come back and join us. And just as a reminder, please watch the TV series Killing Eve season three before you listen to the following episode. We're gonna give away spoilers. We're gonna talk about the global story. We're gonna talk about a lot of stuff and it will be a lot more useful if you know what we're talking about. So now let's get on with the show. Okay, so three seasons have passed. And the one constant is that we still talk about Villanelle. Whether or not we thought a, a season was good or bad, we can't stop thinking about Villanelle and talking about it. What is it about her? So to help answer that question, we're, we're going to deep dive into the character. And Mel's going to kick us off by introducing us to her character. Yeah, I try to sum it up, but it's really hard because Villanelle, as you already said, is such a wonderful character. And what makes her so special? Well, she demonstrates a cold brutality, even though she looks stunning and absolutely beautiful which deceives everyone around her. Your beauty and innocent appearance is like the trap that lures her victims into her reach so that she can kill them. And Villanelle doesn't follow a moral code and only does what excites her. If she has to do something that she doesn't want to, then she falls back in the consequences of her actions. She's impulsive, while her ego requires her to feel invincible. And still, there's something about curly-haired woman in the <laughs> in their early 40s <laughs> that throw her completely out of balance. What an interesting fetish. Yeah. And she can't deal with her emotions. As we have gotten to know and love her, she is a twisted personality. She can show every personality trait that we can sympathize with, from funny to warm to vulnerable, but she's also strong and even frightening. And whenever you look at her, you can't tell what's on her mind. Is she going to kiss you or is she going to kill you? And that makes the show very, very exciting. And it's a great portrayal by Judy Comer. And as said in the last episode of season three, she can make people change to their worst. She is the reason why Eve unlocked her inner monster and changed from that self-doubt person who carried so much guilt and said sorry for everything to becoming a person who slowly loses her moral path. And I think the beauty of the show is, as it seems, that maybe one day even Villanelle will be at the same level. Eve seems to become darker and lose her sense of justice and morality, while Villanelle walks on the path of redemption, which was only possible through Eve. And maybe as said, one day Villanelle will have changed so much for the better that she can lead Eve back on the path of redemption. I think that would be a great twist and a sign of character development, a huge sign of character development. That seems really hopeful. I love that description, by the way. And I think that 
what's interesting is now we have this wonderful description how if we were to sort of take our toolkit out and start to analyze this character and use the sort of categories that aren't always 100% true but they're definitely useful how might we break up Villanelle's character well Randall. yeah no I, I think uh, we Parul you and I have uh, talked about uh, this and, and a couple of different other mediums, the anti villain and the anti hero. And I think uh, we both agree that Villanelle falls into the anti villain bucket. She's not, she's not completely evil because she is the, the person who's following her, Eve. She, she has multiple opportunities to kill her. She's a very good assassin and she doesn't, and she doesn't on purpose. And that, what's the reason why? Now they're her own selfish reasons, but she's not killing everyone in sight. She's not killing Carolyn. She's not killing all these people that are hunting her. And she's actually not, as the series, the three seasons progress, she's not even killing very well anymore. She wants to get out. So the, the redemption thing that Mel brings up is really a really awesome idea. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think this um, idea of Villanelle, uh, first of all, we feel quite sorry for her. We get glimpses of an abnormal upbringing, uh, which we don't fully see till this season, although it wasn't clear, let's not discuss that right now. But we also, we get to witness signs of her vulnerability. I wanna say the word tenderness, but it sounds a bit cliche. There are signs of her tenderness, which mean that we empathize with her in a way that you might not with another villain, classic villain. And the beauty that Melanie talked about is actually something that you can't help but be drawn to. If she was, you know, not so pitch, you know, not so pretty, would we? Would she make as good a anti-villain? If she didn't look so angelic, I if wonder. She didn't look so pretty. If she didn't dress so nice. No, I mean, I think those are all quirks of her personality that make the whole package so appealing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, another thing. Uh, and Melanie's really helped bring this, uh, you've been really interested in her morality. And that is another layer of complexity to her sort of thriller genre character. She has, there's multiple strands to her. So we have thriller, we've talked a lot about morality running through it and her, her push and pull towards whether she does the right thing or not. And then the love story, the love story runs through it. And it, as Sean's talked about this before, and we, we know this, that love stories are a chance for redemption because it's a chance for your true self. Your, you know, when you think about love, you think about a pure a concept of sacrificing for love. Uh, unfortunately, when she sacrifices for love, it's not quite the same, um, which is what's so interesting. And, and she, there are times when she's proven that she can't sacrifice for love, that, like in season two when she shot Eve because Eve wanted to walk away from her. Yeah, but that's also showing how she has changed from season two to season three. Exactly, yeah. Because in the beginning of season three, she had to live with the fact that Eve might be dead. She didn't mm. know if Eve had survived. Yeah. And the, at the end of season two, Villanelle shot Eve because she was not, not ready to let Eve walk away. But what's, what's the last scene that we saw in season three? Villanelle turned around, told Eve to turn around as well. And let her walk away. Yeah. That's like, that's her proof of love, I think. Yeah, so she has it in season three, but yeah. a proof of love in season, she, she's not mature enough 
to show that sort of proof of love in season two. Yeah, but she has uh, made a major change in season three. Yeah. I definitely think that, you know, they did a really good job, if, if nothing else, and, and some of the other things that they may not have done so well in this season, they, they did a good character arc on her personality and her, her ability to, you know, be yes. unselfish. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I know, and we have, you know, as the, the, the sort of whole point of our podcast is to, to analyze story using the, the five commandments and using the story grid. And we have been quite critical of season three, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's still a memorable series that people will be talking about for years to come. She is a character that we will, I know that I'll be referencing her when I talk to writers about creating really strong female anti-villains or even anti-villains full stop. Should we, should we go now and, and geek out on the inciting incidents or do you have any more comments on? Maybe we should like categories? talk about what made Villanelle change. Like at first we have it in season three that she thought she had to live with the fact that Eve might be dead. And it's then love. We, it's love. Yeah. And then she killed her mother, which she couldn't get over somehow. She feels like still haunted by it. So that's like two things that really made her um, did shake her, did shake her. But for me, love has been the one thing that if you you couldn't take out Eve from this series, I mean, apart from the fact that her name's in it, but you couldn't take her out. Was you could take the mother out and you could still have the same series. Yeah, they could have replaced that stuff with her mother the entire episode, and and we would happier. Right, and and actually, how you know that she the change is love is because every time they meet, they say ridiculous things to each other. Like I can't stop thinking about you. Or well, even if it's, you know, when she leaves that creepy message in the toy um, for Eve and then Eve finds that toy that keeps repeating a message. You know what else they did really good is so after, after Villanelle comes back and she's, when she's hanging out at the bitter pill and she's eating the, 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 taffy or the candy and the guy thinks that she's really cool because she likes the candy when when eve calls and villanelle talks to him they're like old friends right they're like eve i'm at your work you know oh yeah yeah i'm over here i was like i'll be there in a minute i mean they're they're there's they've decided at some point between when eve figured out that villanelle didn't take out nico and when villanelle after villanelle killed her mother decided to get out, they became a lot closer and they're treating each other differently. Like it's, it's not this cat and mouse game. It's like, Hey, when are we going to see each other again? Yeah. I think that Villanelle has always had, had this personality where she will say very ordinary things in extraordinary circumstances. So when she breaks into her home or when she sends her the note that says, sorry, baby, she's, she's very good at, doing that. So I'm not sure that Villanelle has changed that much. I feel like Villanelle always says ridiculously ordinary things with a knife in her hand, you know? Like, what are you wearing? What is that cardigan, you know? What is the cardigan you're wearing? I'm so disgusting. You know, while trying to murder someone. But you're right, they have as a couple taken, they've definitely changed. They've changed over the seasons. Let's have a look at let's have a look at the inciting incidents across all three seasons. I think that would give us that's really interesting to see how they how they compare because obviously you have the five commandments. If it, anyone listening, you know that we have five commandments. 
that we, we use in the story grid. But the inciting incident and the crisis points are really interesting, maybe more obvious to pick out, which is why it's good to compare them. And it's interesting to see how they how they flow, which ones are better than others, which ones are which one's the best one. So I'll mention all three inciting incidences and we'll look at them side by side. So season one, it's kind of off screen, but there's a killer on the loose and there's a crime that needs to be solved. And Eve, Eve is really interested because she's invested a lot of her personal time, you know, compiling information about those kind of the female killers and she thinks it's a female. So that's kind of the inciting incident for season one. Season two, you have the inciting incident that Eve, you know, thinks that Villanelle might've died but basically she starts investigating a whole new female assassin called the ghost, which isn't as interesting and, and not, as, not as flamboyant as, as Villanelle, but that's, that's the inciting incident for season two. And then season three is when Kenny falls off the roof. And so those are the, those are the three inciting incidents. Mm -hmm. I guess the only thing I have to add to it is if it's a, if for a thriller, they all start in death. So that's a good start for any thriller. Yeah, you're right. They all start with death. I feel the most, I was definitely the most invested in season one's inciting incident though. That felt like the most interesting, particularly because you had Eve at her original self, which was very awkward and, you know, croissant crumbs over her while she was hearing about the murder. Yeah. And you also have like for a thriller, the typical investigation story throughout yeah. the season. And it starts with a crime, an inciting crime. We have to find the murder or the, the serial killer. And in the last epi episode, she does. She's in Villanelle's apartment in Paris. So there is this resolution. There's uh, the story arc. It just works from the beginning to the end. We have, even Villanelle, we have the big showdown in the end. And that's yeah. what we were waiting for. And we got mm -hmm. this. The big promise was, was kept. I, I remember that in season two, we talked about how the ghost was interesting in the sense of there was this other killer on the loose who was very good at doing these silent deaths. I think they showed a, a maid going into a hotel room and we liked it, but it, it was wrapped up pretty quickly. It's like, oh, it's her. Oh, let's confront her. Oh, let's, yeah. let's bring Villanelle in to, to take her down. So it didn't have that same tension of trying to find out who the assassin was. That's right. And the yeah. assassin turned out pretty weak. Yeah, yeah. The other good, the other point that I might want to mention is the in the very, very beginning uh, of uh, season one, we are introduced to the twelve, and we're like, oh, there's these masterminds. But then, you know, that's that's kind of where we get lost along the way in season three. Is we're like, where is the twelve? So, yeah. but, it, but that that was yeah. that's what made what was part of what made season one so good we knew there was this villain that had some other agenda and we didn't, we wanted to know what that was. And we were willing to wait. We were willing to wait through season two and to part of season three, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Season two didn't manage, uh, didn't have much of the 12 because there was this other guy, Peel, who they had to investigate. And we don't still don't know if he had, has anything to do with the 12, do we? Yeah. Right. Uh, well, the, you want the ginger guy with the axe. Yeah. No, that was Raymond. Was his? Oh, that was Raymond. Sorry. Was someone? Yeah, he was an, an assassin of the twelve. I think. Yeah, he was an assassin of the twelve. And the ghost was twelve too, right? No. Yeah. Yeah, she was. So, so there was a hand stuff in there. There was a handler. Remember the handler that she killed? 
who was yeah. the new Constantine. And then after that assassin's killed, then Raymond shows up being the new, and for some reason he has a real dislike for Villanelle from the start. Yeah. And then, then we have season three. No, I want to add something to season two, actually, about the, because I'm always talking about the morality. Mm. <laughs> and speaking in the sense of the morality story for season two, Eve's inciting incident could have been trying to cope with the guilt that she might have killed Villanelle. This feeling of guilt and terror about having become a killer is mirrored in the last episode when Eve indeed kills a man. And she learns that it had been totally unnecessary. And this guilt and the killing is related to the thriller genre and introduces us to this morality story, leading us to think that Eve would move on to a path of redemption, maybe even sacrifice to stop the twelve. That's what I thought would happen in season three. But, well, they pulled off something completely different. But it was very interesting to see how Eve had to cope with killing thinking she has killed something throughout the season until she really did kill some someone. Yeah. I don't really okay. want to talk about season three inciting incident. Let's talk about it super quick. So I think the inciting incident was of all the five commandments, the most exciting for us across season three. I hated that Kenny died, but yeah, he, he died. And that was the inciting incident and could have potentially led us towards the storyline of the 12 that we were lacking in season two, but it didn't. It actually ended up going totally off track as we have talked about in season three. The other thing to say is by the end of season three, we realized it was Constantine, although we don't have the full picture, that was up on the roof with Kenny and it seemed to be an accident, which to me totally deflated what it I thought it. was the incident. Exactly, yeah. I, thought, I thought, I was like, okay, the 12 have actually inf infiltrated what Kenny's doing, but no, it's just Constantine, you know, was talking to Kenny and he fell off, which, yeah, it's just a bit disappointing. So of yeah. all the, of all the inciting incidents, season one definitely has my vote as the strongest. Yeah. Kenny's death, like it raised an open question and was it suicide or did um, someone kill Kenny? And it was the main focus through the entire season and which connects the beginning and the end and we when we finally find out what happened to kenny and as you already said it was well it was definitely not Eve's investigative skills anymore that and that we have that we have that diminishing investigation yeah. as the seasons go on and an increase in the morality complex the complexity of morality yeah and we i think we should have to ask ourselves if this kenny's death is the inciting incident would the season have worked without Kenny's death? And I think yes, because his death was not related to the 12 wanting to kill him. As you said, it was Constantine telling him that he was his father and Kenny stumbled over the edge. And everything else in the season, Dasha, Nico, Villanelle and Eve meeting in the bus, it all would still have happened. You totally right. yeah. Without Constantine interfering, the 12 would have stopped, uh, show, showed themselves earlier and would have been the ones to kill Kenny because Kenny was clearly trying to get to them. Yeah. So, part, of me, part of me wonders whether, even when I was talking about season three, part of me thought maybe Constantine still has some cards up his sleeve that we don't know. So I feel like the, the, the thing I struggled with in season three, I was constantly waiting for something that never arrived. 
and I don't know for sure that it will come in, in the next season. So I think you, we could do without, I mean, I think Kenny not dying or, or it would, 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 it would, it would change it a little bit because that's what kind of gets Eve out of her slump to go search for the accountant and, you know, Dasha and the 12 and working with the bitter pill. So there would have had to be a whole new storyline if Kenny didn't die, because that was the, the Kenny's death is the one that kind of started everyone started the, this whole investigation thing. But um, Constantine still had the money from the 12 and there was this accountant and Kenny was trying to get Eve to investigate again. So this could have all happened. And Constantine would have told Villanelle Eve is still alive. They would have met somewhere in London, maybe not in a bus, but it all still would have happened. So I guess that would the have question been no is, incident. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, would have, there would have been something minor that maybe we didn't care about. But it's interesting when the inciting incident doesn't link directly to the crisis, does that mean it isn't quite right? Let's have a look at the crisis points to see. Let's see if we can match them. So the crisis for season one is should Eve, remember she's been sacked, should Eve go to Paris and confront Villanelle? So actually go literally to her apartment and confront her and risk her life? Or does she return to London? In season two, again, it's linked to Villanelle, should she save Villanelle from Raymond by killing Raymond? Bearing in mind what Melanie said around how she had, at the beginning of the season, been haunted by the idea that she might have actually killed someone. Season three is a bit different. Eve's crisis point isn't the main crisis point for that for the season. It's it's should she stop Carolyn from shooting Constantine? Because remember, we've got Carolyn uh, in a room with Paul and Constantine, and Carolyn's accusing Constantine of killing her son. So all that Eve does is almost get out of the sofa. That's it. You compare that to what we saw in season two, which is, should she kill Raymond in a quite a vicious way? So in season three, the crisis point, actually, it's, there's a higher emphasis on Constantine. It's, does he go and risk his life? So does he go to the, apart, to the, to the house where Paul is, because Paul calls him? Does he go then risk his life or does he run away and possibly risk Paul's wrath? Yeah. So I think, I think there's also one more character that's left out of this uh, is, the, is Caroline. I mean, Caroline's making the decision whether she believes Constantine or not. And then she does decide to believe him and then kills yeah, good point. Paul. So, I mean, all, it, this is a... And Villanelle's a, as well. Villanelle's right. is, does she escape with Constantine as per the original plan? Because that's what, remember, in, the, in this season, right. all she wants to do is run away from the 12 and from her life. It, it, it was a... It was, it was kind of a weak crisis at the end, just because, yeah. you know, they didn't really... They, they, it was just because Kenny's death was kind of weak, you know, and dimin diminished everything. And so... Yeah. There's no revenge. This, for, there's no revenge to be gotten. Right, right, exactly. And, and does so, crisis points are interesting, right? Like how they they should turn on the global genre. So it should be turning on life and death. Does it turn on life and death? Sort of, just a lot weaker. It's not. It's not literally. Do I take this axe and bring it down? For Carolyn, there is maybe a, a decision. Also, it's not life or death for any of the main characters. It's Paul. And Paul was like in three episodes and we don't really care about him. 
no one else is threatened because Carolyn has the gun. And we know she doesn't even have it aimed at, at even Villanelle. She has it aimed at Constantine, who's not, not a minor character, but he's not one of the major characters either. So this brings us to a question. If you have a book or a, a story, can you allow the crisis to be for another character other than the main protagonist? I don't think And I you think can. the answer is you can't, yeah. I just think it's, if you do that, you risk losing the momentum. We don't see the full story arc pull through. I mean, is anyone going, no, don't kill Constantine. But if she, right. if, if they had, if she had had the gun at Villanelle and Eve for some reason, like <gasps> they're going to kill one of the, what? Uh, but, but, you know, the, but the gun was at Constantine. The gun was first at Paul and then at Constantine. And, you know, we care about Constantine. He's a funny guy, but we don't really care about Paul. Yeah. Yeah. But um, for, I know we focused on the thriller now, but when we look at Eve, then they really focused on her morality in that scene. And Eve yeah. what, watches Caroline being totally on edge as she threatens to kill Constantine, uh, Constantine. And instead of interfering, Eve is only a bystander. And she is not up, upholding justice anymore in the form of the law. And, and she doesn't have all the information, evidence that proof that Caroline is right in what she's doing. But she is not interfering. And that's like making her a decision to like stay out of it. And she's, that's just not who she once was. Right. And that's fine, but it's the, it's the internal genre and it's not the external genre. That's and right. Crisis. You would expect both actually to come through together. Right. And we don't really see that. So would you watch uh, the next season? I think we have to, don't we? I, I would. I like Villanelle as a character. Yes. I want to see what's going to happen next. I really, really, really hope that the writers do a better job ca ca capturing the five commandments because I think we've proven as we've gone through all three seasons that the five commandments can make a difference, that having a good crisis, that you know, having a, a good inciting incident make or break a story. And in this case, I think they could have done a better job. Yeah, I'm definitely like, I want to see how all this morality stuff is going to play out and how they're going to combine it again with the thriller. And of course, do we finally going to, meet, going to find out more about the 12? <laughs> Maybe there's only 11 now because Paul was one of them. Maybe he lied. Maybe he did kill Kenny and he's one of them. He got promoted. That wraps up our podcast for today. We hope you have a better understanding of the five commandments of storytelling and the six core questions that every editor asks. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and review and tell your writer and editor friends about us. For more information, videos, and articles on the StoryGrid, go to storygrid.com or our website at sgshowrunners.com. If you want to connect with one of the editors directly, links to our web pages are in the show notes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you in a couple weeks with our intro into our next series. And if you have any suggestions for our next series, please leave them in the comments at our website. Thank you. Bye.